Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. From wherever in the world you might be listening, thanks very much for taking the time out to listen to us today. In this podcast, we're going to talk about battery technology, um, specifically the cells. Uh, We've been promising to do this for a while now, and we get lots and lots of questions about batteries, um, because really battery technology is one of the key enablers in vehicle electrification. Um, Reducing costs and improving performance of batteries is what's allowing us to do so much more things now with electrified vehicle powertrain. Um, So in this podcast, we're going to talk about the current state of the art and the future trends in battery cells for electric vehicles, but we're going to start with some of the basics. So basically, in a battery pack, there's several key subsystems. So it's not just all about the cell. Um, We do have the actual battery cell, of which there are many in an electric vehicle battery. Uh, There's several different kinds of cell. But basically, if in your head you can picture a big version of the AAA battery in your TV remote control, and you'll be pretty much picturing the 18650 cylindrical cell in the Tesla Model S. Uh, So-called because it's 18mm in diameter and 65mm long. Um, The new cells in the Model 3, the 21700s, guess what, are 21mm in diameter and 70mm long. There's also some other kinds of cells uh, called pouch cells and prismatic cells, but more on that later. Uh, The cells in a battery pack are are arranged into strings inside the battery, and a combination of of these um, in series and parallel gives us the pack voltage from the amount of cells we have in series. So if we had 104.2 volt cells in series, uh, we'd have a 420 volt battery. battery pack Um, and then in parallel we get the capacity of the pack Um, so we 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 add strings of cells in parallel to each other to increase the capacity once we've got the pack to the uh, to the voltage that we need so you might often see an electric vehicle battery being described as something like a 96 s 2p and what that means is 96 cells in series and two strings of 96 in parallel Um, so that's a lot of cells and and actually in that case that wouldn't still be a particularly large battery pack but that sort of number S, number P denotes the number of cells you have in series and the number in parallel so there are a lot of cells in a battery pack but that is not all there is to a battery pack obviously then in addition to the cells we've got quite a complicated electrical system and electrical distribution system so we can get the electricity in and out of those cells so there's lots of buzz bars and interconnections Um, We've also typically got a cooling system inside the battery pack um, and different batteries have different level of complexity of the the cooling system. There's all the mechanical support for themselves themselves to stop them from floating around inside the battery. Obviously, you don't want that. They have to be securely uh, held in position and and typically also held against the uh, the thermal management system. Um, And then you finally find a very complex system of electronics uh, called the battery management system. And this is there to monitor the cells uh, for their condition 
position to make sure nothing bad happens to them um, and also for their state of charge one of the things with a uh, particularly with a lithium cell is it's quite hard to actually tell how full it is um, because they've got quite a, quite a flat uh, charge discharge curve so the difference in the the voltage of the cell um, a lithium cell between its fully charged and fully discharged is not very big um, and it's very flat in in a big portion of that charge dis discharge portion so we have to very very carefully monitor the cells to know how much uh, charge we've actually got inside the battery pack so all of that kind of safety controls um, and condition management is done through what's called a bms a battery management system and that'll be a quite a complex system of, of electronics inside the pack um, so as I mentioned earlier, in this podcast, we're not going to talk about all of those things. We're just going to concentrate on the cells. Um, in general, I mean, it's fair to say battery development is focused on three key areas. Reducing cost is really important. Battery is the biggest cost item in, in your electric vehicle. In, and improving energy density, that's the second biggie. So basically the amount of electrical charge that we can hold in the battery per unit of volume or kilogram of weight, that's really, really important. And then, of course, the, the final thing is improving the stability and the safety of those batteries. Uh, so at the minute, you know, the, the batteries are pretty safe, but you've got to really look after them to make sure that nothing uh, nothing happens to them. And people are trying all the time to make it so that those are more robust. So basically, you can hammer nails through them and nothing, uh, nothing will happen. Um, in this episode, uh, I've said a couple of times we're going to do the battery cells themselves. It's a key component um, of the battery pack. Um, but then the cell itself is a structure. So there are there are several key components in a battery cell. And um, we've got an anode, a cathode, a separator material, and an electrolyte. So the anode, uh, the anode basically is is an electrode inside the cell. The metal at the anode um, is being oxidized to release electrons as the cell is being discharged. Um, and normally in a battery pack, the anode is the, the negative terminal um, of the cell as the cell is being discharged. Um, and this would typically be a copper foil coated with graphite. So if you chopped open a lithium cell, you'll find some sheets of material in there and one of them will be a black color. Um, this will be uh, the anode typically. Uh, the next uh, part is the cathode. So the, the cathode is the other electrode in the battery cell. And this is where reduction is taking place during the discharge cycle. And uh, electrons are moving into the cathode. So for lithium ion cells, this would be the positive terminal on the cell. Um, and it's also where we have the really interesting multi-metal and metal oxide compounds, the nickel, the manganese, the cobalt, all that interesting stuff uh, mixed up with lithium. Um, so already you might be a little bit confused and there's one key point here they just want to make so electrons actually flow in the opposite direction to how we uh, describe conventional current flow so electrons are negatively charged so they flow from the negative terminal of the battery and in, into the positive terminal whereas we typically describe current flow as being from the positive terminal to the negative terminal but actually that's not t technically strictly correct and that's basically because electricity was discovered um, before people knew what electrons were and how they moved around um, and unfortunately the assumptions were made about how the electrons were moving uh, weren't quite right basically um, and now we know that but all of the rules and the laws were kind of written for going the other way so uh, we just have to deal with the slightly confusing situation that actually um, electrons go the opposite direction to how we describe current flow um, so anyway that aside um, for uh, for lithium cells um, uh, 
you know they're rechargeable um and actually what you also have is that um the electron the, the the electron flow changes direction depending on whether you're charging or discharging the cell and so if you want to be sort of technically correct the anode and cathode switch around so whilst we would always describe the negative uh, side as being the anode uh, and the positive side as being the cathode um, of the cell actually technically doing charge and discharge um they they reverse roles uh, and switch around um so next um as well as the anode and cathode we have a really important um uh, piece of material called the separator so the separator is a really thin sheet of permeable polymer uh, that keeps the anode and cathode uh, separated so it does what it says on the tin and that's to prevent an internal short circuit in the cell so we want to insulate the anode from the cathode so we're not short circuit not short circuiting them out but we still need to allow ion migration um, inside the cell through the electrolyte so the separator is is permeable and it holds the electrolyte in pores in it so finally then you have the electrolyte uh, the electrolyte is a liquid that allows the ions to move around between the anode and cathode and the electrolyte will typically consist of a lithium salt uh, dissolved in a volatile solvent now this the solvent is very flammable that is used and that's one of the problems with current lithium cells that basically yeah, every cell is filled with very flammable solvent so if you have an issue with the cell um, where it overheats uh, basically that solvent goes through a process it off gases so you might have seen pictures of pouch cells that are kind of all bulged and funny looking and that's because uh, the solvent started to evaporate uh, very easy then for that solvent to catch fire and, and result in a fire which is a major issue and people are always looking to control that and and prevent it from happening but it's a really important um, element in a lithium battery is the electrolyte so when we're building uh, the battery there's a, a, a basically a the cell is structured by uh, combining thin sheets of these materials together. So um, in a cylindrical cell, as Tesla use, they're tightly wound into a spiral and they're packed inside a metal can. Um, in a pouch cell, uh, such as the ones used in the leaf and the Kona and the eye pace, the sheets are stacked and then they're put into a polymeric pouch, which is then filled with the electrolyte. And then finally, the third type of cell, the prismatic, which is essentially a hard box with the, the anode, cathode and separate material folded into it. Um, this uh, does allow a bigger volume of material and it's a bit easier to handle than a pouch or a cylindrical but it's not very volumetrically efficient metal case prismatics are currently used by BMW and they're using some other vehicles as well and they, they're you know they're not bad they offer a good level of protection and they're, they're easier to handle but really the sort of the two kind of dominant cell types are becoming the cylindricals um, and the pouch cells there, there are different camps of people some people prefer the pouches some people prefer the cylindricals I can see the advantages and disadvantages to each with a cylindrical, the manufacturing process has got fewer steps, um, but there's extra packaging. Thermal management can be an issue with cylindricals because inherently you get temperature gradients across the layers, um, which can accelerate dendrite growth, um, and, and it's difficult to cool them. With a pouch cell, they're easy to cool, um, but they're floppy, they need uh, mechanical support. The manufacturing process are much, much harder because you've got to very carefully align the very thin layers of material one on top of the other and hold it very carefully and build the pouch. And it's very difficult to make pouch cells. Basically, there's a lot of processing technology involved in that. Um, but once you've got that cracked, it's it's fine. 
with all kinds of cells, it doesn't matter what the structure is, uh, there's, a, there's a secondary process. So once the cell's actually been assembled, it then goes into a post-assembly conditioning process where it's been filled with electrolyte and then it undergoes very careful conditioning to ensure that we've got a really good distribution through the cell structure um, of electrolyte and then the cell activation process. And basically in, in the activation process, we very gently charge the cell um, and we force the electrolyte to decompose into a very, very very thin layer on the cathode and that's called the solid electrolyte interphase layer or SEI and this actually can take weeks um, it's a huge part in the battery manufacturing process going through this kind of uh, bringing the cell to life and then carefully aging it and getting it into a condition where it's stable and it can be used so reducing and optimizing that um, that part of the process is a massive opportunity to get cost out of uh, cost out of battery cells so the the next kind of big area that people are concentrating on in terms of trying to get higher energy densities is through using thinner and thinner material and basically by thinning down the material for the anode and the cathode and the separator it means you can get more individual layers of that material inside a given volume um, and you've got more efficient use of that material you've got less sort of dead uh, material sitting in the center of uh, each volume of it but very thin sheets are incredibly hard to deal with from a manufacturing process point of view and they also struggle in terms of dealing with high electrical current flows so really this is kind of created at the moment two different categories of battery cell We've got energy cells that are made from very, very thin materials um, and cell chemistries that are focused on energy density, but really at the expense of charge and discharge rates for the cells. And then we have power cells, uh, which are typically used in hybrid cars or very high performance vehicles, which use a thicker material to allow a higher charge and discharge rate, but typically at the expense of absolute energy density. What you would see is a normal energy cell, so the kind of cells we're putting into things like the leaf and the cona, might be able to charge and discharge at a rate of 3C. And what that means, the C rating of the cell is quite important. So if, if we had a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, um, and it was rated at 3C, we'd be able to push 300 kilowatts in and out of it. But a high power cell, we might be able to run at 10 to 15C. So that 100 kilowatt hour power battery pack, we'd able to uh, we'd be able to push a megawatt uh, or more in and out of it of power. And that's really important when you think about the power of the electric motors that are actually on the vehicle. Um, and, the, and the reason it's been so important for hybrids is you have a relatively small battery pack in a hybrid car to the power of the electrical motor that you're using. So you need a much higher C rate. Um, so thinner materials are a really big thing and you've got the conventional uh, cell construction method so basically just thinning down the foils um, and the film materials that are used to improve the construction so no kind of massive uh, changes basically incremental improvement into better um, more thinner films um, one of, the, one of the big issues with lithium batteries is uh, something called dendrite growth. So basically dendrites uh, look like little branches of trees and they grow out of the cathode in a lithium cell um, and they, they grow when the cell is charged and discharged and if it exceeds certain temperature ranges they grow more um, 
they grow more vigorously and uh, dendrites can puncture the separating material and they can actually cause a short circuit inside the battery pack and obviously that could be uh, could be really bad so managing dendrite growth is really really important and that comes down to um, how we manage the condition of the battery how we manage the charge in the battery the charge discharge rates and, and how we manage the temperature of the battery um, but it's a really, really important area. And one of the issues is if we have very thin materials and very thin separators, it becomes easier for the dendrite to basically puncture uh, the separator. So if with a uh, with a thick separator in there, we've got a bit more tolerance in terms of being able to tolerate some dendrite growth inside the pack um, before there's a risk that we're going to do any damage. Um, but as we thin the materials out, it becomes more and more critical. Um, so, so basically one of the other things that we see is very high energy density batteries with very thin materials um, need to be very carefully thermally managed um, and that's what you would see in terms of the trend in uh, vehicles where we've gone to very complex now active thermal management for the battery packs um, and that's that's as a result of thinner materials um, and trying to manage dendrite growth uh, make sure that's not a problem um, and uh, and control the battery pack so then what's coming next uh, so basically beyond uh, radical chemistry which which are you know there are things happening with radical chemistry innovations but they're basically a long way away from the market so there's people looking at different material combinations at quite a fundamental level so moving away from lithium altogether and there are things on the horizon there um, which might present some significant leaps forward um, but that that would come under the category uh, for for me of a radical chemistry innovation um, the next thing we've got is sort of incremental improvements um, in the battery. You know, we've talked already about thinning out the films, playing around with the chemistry at the cathode, doing different kind of doping, um, using nanoparticles of uh, some clever materials to improve the performance. There's all sorts of basically fairly moderate incremental improvements happening to the existing uh, existing kind of battery structures, and that's that is uh, there's a lot of activity around that um, there is one thing and we get asked about this all the time so the really the big thing which people are kind of hanging out as being the next big thing in batteries is solid state batteries um, so solid state battery um, really uh, the, the, the what is happening there is rather than having a liquid electrolyte in the battery um, we get rid of the liquid electrolyte and we've we've got a solid material so essentially the the electrolyte and the separator are replaced by a solid material um, that's a very carefully constructed material that can allow ions to move through it but is electrically insulating um, and typically more thermally conductive than the materials that are currently used um, so solid state batteries are getting an awful lot of attention. Uh, the difficulty with them is they're very hard to make. Um, the, 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 sort of the purest uh, ceramic solid state materials, the processing isn't there yet in terms of high volume production. And then they also have issues with thermal management. So again, you've got very, very thin, uh, thinly deposited layers. Actually, to the extent where they're, they're not such a problem with thermal effects, but then you, they're bonded mechanically together. So in a conventional cell, basically everything is floating around in the electrolyte so if we have expansion and contraction of the anode and cathode at a differential rate because of heating and cooling it doesn't really matter um, with a solid state st cell it's really important the expansion contraction of the anode and cathode materials we can cause stress at the interfaces between the anode the cathode and the electrolyte separator ceramic um, and managing all of that is really difficult and there's a lot of work going into that to improve the performance of those solid states and make them 
So they're, they're reliable and durable to the point at which they're suitable for, for use into automotive. And actually what we can say is that we're, you know, we're starting to hear rumbles of fairly near to market launches coming for these solid state cells. So we had Mercedes making some uh, announcements when they launched the Sotaro electric bus recently about solid states. And um, we've had Fisker talking about solid state cells in, in terms of being in the market within the next two or three years. So um, so that's that's uh, that's excellent. That's going to represent a huge step forwards. Solid state cells have got the potential to be three to four times more energy dense than a conventional cell. And they've also got the potential to be much, much safer. So if we get rid of that solvent from the electrolyte altogether, then we can improve the safety massively. There's still some challenges. The thermal management of solid states is going to be very tricky. Um, the C rating of solid state is an issue because such the very, very thin materials then can't deal with very high current flows particularly well. But the potential to use them um, in battery systems combined with other things is, is, is excellent. Um, so we're seeing... Uh, lots of really interesting things happen around cell development uh, with solid state at the moment. Um, there are there's a kind of a quasi solid state battery where uh, basically we've got um, instead of a liquid electrolyte we've got a, a gel or a, a polymer. Now the sort of purists would say that's not it's not a true solid state battery. These batteries are are kind of available for for different applications now. Again, there's there's some issues with those in terms of making them suitable for automotive applications, and I think the main kind of priorities recently have been on all ceramic uh, ceramic types. The uh, the polymer is not being particularly favoured. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. It's clear, though, there's lots of things going on at the moment with uh, battery cell technology, and there's really some huge improvements coming, you know, not without challenges and, and, and not least... The, uh, certainly the improvements to date in terms of energy density have all brought around thermal management and current management challenges due to the much, much thinner materials being used. The solid state is going to be great. Uh, getting rid of those electrolytes is going to be fantastic, so really keep an eye on that. So that's all for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've run a little bit over what I was expecting to do. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. We'll pick up on battery thermal management and battery management electronics, uh, BMS systems in future episodes, so we'll be coming back to this we'll also be coming back to cells uh down the line there's some really exciting things coming and we get to a point where they get into the public domain and, and people can talk about them uh, we, we will pick up on cell technology again if you've got any questions please feel free to send them in we've uh, we've had a really good response where people ask us questions which is then giving us ideas for what to do for future episodes for the podcast if you've enjoyed this please leave us a rating um, or hit like depending on which platform you're listening to us on and of course don't forget to subscribe to the channel so that's all for today. Uh, thanks very much for listening and I look forward to talking to you soon.